thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a man who uses a bell to tell Pavlov when to feed his dogs, <laughs> Mike Vandebogard. Uh, thank you, Joe, and thank you once again to all of our amazing listeners uh, for tuning in to Locations Unknown. Just a few updates here before we get going. First, we'd like to thank our new Patreon supporters. So we've got Allison Howell, uh, Sayard Tanis, Rebecca Fisco, an anonymous California-based former NPS park ranger. Um, the supporter didn't want their name revealed. Ellen Rickford and Heather Woolham. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Big hey, things are happening this thank year. Thank you all. Thank you all. Um, we always say this every episode. If you want to call our voicemail and leave a message about the show, about anything, you can call 208-391-6913. Yeah, just call and shout yourself out. Shout your friends out. We'll yeah. probably play it. <laughs> we will probably play it at some point. Um, quick correction here from episode 76. That was the case on Daniel Robinson from the Sonoran Desert. Uh, we had said a couple things about snake bite treatment at uh, the 21-minute mark. And... We obviously said the first thing you should do is seek medical attention, um, but then yeah, we yeah, still do that. Still do that. <laughs> that. That part hasn't changed. Um, but we also mentioned using a tourniquet or mechanical suction if you can't get to a hospital. So many of you who listen, um, we had some calls, we had some emails uh, correcting us on this. And um, according to the Wilderness Medical Society practice guidelines, uh, both methods of treating snake bites are not recommended. Uh, <laughs> so don't do what we just said about snake bites. Other than the med they, seeking medical, yeah, seek attention. medical attention. I'm going to have to change my bandana that shows to <laughs> yeah. treat a snake bite, to tourniquet, and use yeah. a suction device. So if you want to learn more about how to treat snake bites, there's a huge study they did, and they have this manual and everything, and we'll post a link to it, and you can go read that. Um, so and thank you. We're, we always will correct ourselves when we're wrong. We're not snake bite experts, so. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> you can just call and say, hey, you guys are wrong. Yeah. Um, if you want to help. They, they were all very nice. Yeah. At least the ones I saw. No, they were all there. Weren't, there weren't angry correcting people. No, they were some of the nicest corrections. Um, yep. One gentleman like spent a whole paragraph talking about how he loved the show, and then he's like, "But <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fine. Yeah, we, so. we're we're fine with constructive, proper criticism. We're fine with any criticism. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got to have thick skin. Yes, to do any of this kind of stuff. Um, finally, if you want to help support the show, you can. Uh, join us on Patreon. We're going to do a, f a fun episode after this on a lady who went missing on the Appalachian Trail. And she just went off the trail like 90 feet to go to the bathroom and got lost. Survived for 22 days, but ended up um, passing away. And it's a interesting, really interesting case on things she did right, things she did wrong, stuff like that. So we're going to talk about that on the Patreon only yep, episode. you got to get exclusive access. Yeah. You'll also be able to get that on YouTube memberships 
and premium subscriptions on Apple. So that's all, all I had. All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. August 20th, 2004, a 12-year-old Boy Scout was on a camping trip with his troop and his father in the Uena Wasash Cache National Forest. The scout and his father went off to go fishing at a nearby lake. At some point, the boy got wet and decided to head back to camp to change. This was the last anyone saw of him. Join us this week as we investigate the disappearance of Garrett Alexander Bardsley. So the case this week is taking us all the way over to Utah, to the Uena Wasash Cache National Forest. I don't think we've done a case in Utah. Not that I recall. I looked it up. But I don't think we have. Okay, well, if you looked it up, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and say that you, you got it right. Uh, so this sub-location, this is uh, the Cuberant uh, Lake. Uh, that's at an elevation of 10,426 feet. So it's a mountain lake that they were camping by and, and fishing at. I looked up the highest lakes in North America, and I think the reason why this one's not counted is because it's small. Because it's... That's really... A, it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I looked at the list. It, it would be like number two. Oh, okay. If so it, it's just not it must, big enough to be... It must be, need to be bigger or deeper or something yeah. to be counted. Well... So. I, I don't. I don't know if I. Agree. I, didn't, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I didn't spend enough time looking into. How There's they, probably a very specific oh, subset yeah. of standards that <laughs> determine if you're a lake that's big enough to be mentioned. It's probably a guy somewhere in a dingy <laughs> U.S. Forest Service office that his whole job is to. He just leans back in his chair with his arms crossed, and people submit lakes, and he just goes <laughs> no. <laughs> Smoking a cigar, <laughs> just loves his authority. That is not factual. So the National Forest is 1.6 million acres. Uh, if it was a national park, it would actually be the 10th largest uh, and larger than the Everglades. So it does make up a substantial amount of space in Utah. It looks really cool, too. Yeah, Somewhere it's, I would it's, hike. Yeah, I would totally go there. Uh, it was established in... Uh, 1906 and sees around 9 million visitors annually, according to the Forest Service. Uh, the history of the area, long before the Europeans arrived, prehistoric Fremont uh, Shoshone, uh, Shoshone and UT Indians lived in the valleys following the fish in the lakes and streams and the big game of the surrounding mountains. Early mountain men, trappers, and explorers began to arrive in the 1820s, uh, with the promise of abundant wildlife lured the trappers such as Jim Bridger and Kit Carlson and Jedediah Smith. Peter Skeen Ogden and John Weber were two explorers whose names have remained. Their explorations were critical to providing information used by the pioneer settlers who followed. By 1846, wagon trails were rattling down Weber Canyon from Fort Bridger, passing through present-day Salt Lake City and on their way to California. The ill-fated Donna Reed party followed the route through Hennifer east of Ogden, where they left Weber Canyon and opened a new trail across the mountains and in uh, and the Great Salt Lake Desert. A monument in 
Emigration Canyon marks a spot where Brigham Young, early leader of the early Mormon church, reportedly declared that this is the place to the first Mormon pioneers in 1847. That's where he found the tablets All in, I his, think in his backyard. Is the Book of Mormon play? Yes. <laughs> That's from Trey Parker and, yeah. and Matt Stone. Uh, they it, gave an interview on that and they talked about how like well they the Mormons took that play. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they took out ads in in the the thing. It's like you saw the play, now read the book where the ads like they were actually like genius I mean, marketing. The play was really good. It was really if good. No one is it's funny. if anyone listening hasn't seen it yet, and if it ever makes it to your city, go and see it. It's really good. It's yeah. <laughs> so these early pioneers were also dependent on the resources from the forest to build their cities, irrigate their crops, and raise their livestock. The rocks for the construction of the Mormon temple were quarried from mountain outcrops. Throughout the forest, traces of early industry critical to the pioneers can be found, such as kilns used for producing mortar and cement and sawmills. Mining in the Little Cottonwood Canyon brought new settlers to the Wasash Front. Unfortunately, a great deal of resource damage soon resulted from overgrazing and uncontrolled fires. Watersheds were so heavily grazed and severe summer floods occurred and regularly polluted water supplies. Timber was free and loggers removed all the choice trees. Presidential proclamation created the Wasash National Forest in 1906 and the Cache National Forest in 1907 to protect the valuable resources. So good thing they did that. Yeah. Or they would have overlogged everything. The watersheds above Ogden City became so polluted that a major typhoid outbreak occurred. By 1923, the problem had become so bad with domestic cattle and sheep carcasses decomposing in the Wheeler Creek, a critical source of Ogden's drinking water, that local Ogden residents became determined to reclaim the land and restore the environment. Can you imagine? I mean, I know we still have our environmental problems with like the train derailment in Ohio, but um, all these protected lands, can you imagine going hiking and just as far as the eye can see, just like decomposing cattle? Yeah. I mean, well, and this is, so I, I take an optimistic approach to life or I try to at least. And how I look at it is you can look at what we're doing now as terrible, the worst thing ever, or you can look at it as we're constantly getting better. Yeah. Cause back then I would say they weren't doing the stuff on purpose. They're just didn't know. Yeah, they There's were like, yeah, this is just what we do. Yeah. And uh it's, and and then they just and then they realize, holy cow, we all have typhoid. We can't drink the water. Yeah. The trees are all gone. Yeah. Everything's falling apart. Uh maybe we should con- conserve this more. And yeah. then that's how these efforts started. So, yeah, not good that the stuff happened, but we learned from the past. We're learning now. We, you know, we're creating new chemicals and stuff that are causing problems and we're learning, hey, maybe don't do that. Well, and it's cool to see that, you know, if you went hiking in this area now, it's completely you know, it's rehabilitated, yeah, taken and back natural by again. nature. Um, but yeah, I just I find it interesting how um, bad some of these areas were. At, yes, at the time of the forest creation. Yeah, I'm glad those times are over. <laughs> I like the beautiful <laughs> yes. forest. So here's some interesting facts about Utah. In Utah, there's a town called Levin, and Levin is navel backwards. And Levin is in the center, or is the navel of Utah. <laughs> so there so you go. So yeah, there. <laughs> Sounds like that Mormon guy figured that one out. Yeah. Because of the state of Utah's high elevation and desert-like climate, its snow is dry and powdery. Hence, Utah claims to have the greatest snow on Earth. Approximately 75 million years ago, Utah was part of a landmass called Laramida. Uh, Laramedia. This landmass was hot, swampy, and full of dinosaurs, which makes Utah one of the best places in the United States to find dinosaur fossils. In fact... The world's largest raptor lived in Utah, known as the Utah Raptor, 
It measured over 23 feet long, making it larger than any other known raptor. Terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. Because <laughs> let's assume it has half the ability of the Jurassic Park movie raptors. Well, that's still terrible. What's funny is, and someone probably who is a paleontologist will rip us a new one for this, but I saw a documentary that the raptors used, like actual raptors at that time were like dog sized and they had feathers. Okay. Not like the terrifying that's like ones. The, that's in like Jurassic the bird Park. theory comes from. Yeah, a lot of the dinosaurs back then actually had feathers, not what you see in Jurassic Park. Yes. And, um, there obviously were bigger raptors, but the ones they use in Jurassic Park were not like realistic. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be very scary if they're getting chased down a hallway by yeah, but, a raptor the size of like a well, a golden retriever. <laughs> well, if they have those claws, I guess. Yeah. Those little what? The, who is the character that those those little ones killed? Remember, they're like biting them, but there's like oh, thousands yeah. of them. Yeah. So if you get a pack of dog raptors, he's the guy who plays the cosmonaut on Armageddon. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't remember his name. Yes. And I have no idea why I know that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, don't talk about him. Because last time you talked about one of your actors, you like they died like a day later. Yeah. I won't. Yes. Yeah, so don't even talk about him because okay. he's he's a great B lister that <laughs> I that I enjoy. He so. also was in the, one of the John Wick movies. Oh. T- that you just ruined it. Probably two, I think. Yes, probably. Two. Yeah. Um, so Utah, we'll go back to the facts. Utah. <laughs> wait, re- one last thing. Do Mormons not believe that dinosaurs existed? Uh, Is that one of their tenements? I have no clue. We should probably right. look that up. You look it up because I thought, I, I just hit me. That would be kind of funny that it was founded in a state that literally has the most dinosaur fossils. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Uh, you probably dug up the tablets next to a dinosaur fossil. Utah was the site of the nation's first department store. The Mormon leader Brigham Young founded the Zion's Cooperative Mercantile Institution, or ZCMI, in 1868 in Salt Lake City. The 130-year enterprise finally shut down in 1999 when the Mormon church sold the store to the Macy's Corporation. Wow, that's a long run. (laughs) Utah is the only state where every county contains some part of a national forest. That's awesome. The location of the first ever KFC wasn't in Kentucky, but 1,500 miles west in Salt Lake City, Utah. The iconic fried chicken recipe was first served in the cafe of Colonel Sanders' friend and Utah native, Leon W. Pete Harmon. Pete was his nickname. Utah has the third most national parks of any state after Alaska and California. That's actually pretty significant because of the size of Utah relative to the other two. Yeah. Like Alaska's huge. California is huge. So the fact that it's got that many parks means, I mean, it literally is. They're everywhere. Yeah. Salt Lake City, Utah has more plastic surgeons per capita than any other city in the United States. Utah is the second driest state in the United States after Nevada. On average, Utah has about 300 sunny days a year. I want to move to Utah. (laughs) All right, let's talk about the climate. So uh, climate info was not really readily available for the national forest. So this is going to be the climate of the small mountain town of Kamas, Utah, which sits at an elevation of 6,486 feet and borders the national forest to the West. So our friends at the Copen climate classification system said that this area is a warm summer, humid continental climate abbreviated DFB on climate mats. Uh, The hottest temperature recorded was 101 degrees Fahrenheit on July 13th in 2002, while the coldest temperature recorded was negative 31 degrees Fahrenheit on December 21st, 1990. I want to move there. 
Yeah. Those do not seem extreme to me after living in Wisconsin. Um, so just to cut in here, Mormons and dinosaurs, um, I've spent a whole minute researching this, so <laughs> I could still be wrong, but the general consensus that i Google immediate search says? The Google immediate search says that Mormons generally do believe in dinosaurs. Okay. So. All right. Maybe they found the um, tablets on a fossil. If we have any Mormons listening, let us know. Leave a voicemail and let us know if what your beliefs on dinosaurs are. <laughs> <laughs> completely irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> but we do want to know because I like learning things. I do. Hottest months are from May to September where the average high temperature ranges from 65 to 84. Again, perfect temperatures. Coldest months are November through February with average lows around 15, which is completely sustainable. Anytime it gets below zero is when I, I start losing it. Yes. Yearly average rainfall is 16.6 inches and yearly average snowfall is 96.9 inches. The terrain, due to the sheer size of the Uina Wasash Cache National Forest, describing its geology is complex for the undertaking. Uh, indeed, while the majority of the eastern and northern parts of the forest are the western Rocky Mountain subrange, the westernmost extent of the forest is actually within the Great Basin Ranges. The forest is located within the heart of most of the mountainous section of Utah, and it includes the vast majority of the mountains in and around Wasash Front. So it's mostly mountains for most of this forest. Yeah. I'll, I'll skip through some of this because yeah. it goes into way too much detail. Uh, interestingly, while the vast majority of the forest includes peaks that are part of the Western Rocky Mountains, uh, including the Stansbury Mountains, actually part of the Great Basin. We said that in many ways, the forest marks a transition zone between jagged peaks of the Rockies and the undulating range basin topography of the Great Basins to the West. So I can see where like those images are of how beautiful it is. It just yeah. has a little bit of everything. Yeah, it is kind is, of a mix. Which is awesome if you're like want to get a taste of all that stuff while you're hiking. Yeah. So some of the animals you will expect to see there. Elk, mule deer, moose, mountain goats, coyote, black bear, bighorn sheep, cougars, and rattlesnakes. Now remember what to do with rattlesnake bites. <laughs> we just started the show. Don't with the listen to us. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, use the new information. Use the new and seek medical attention first. Uh, another thing we've mentioned this in other episodes, but we don't talk about it all the time. Widow makers or trees, yes. falling trees and branches are an ever present hazard when traveling or camping in the forest. You want to make sure you are not putting your tent underneath a tree that's leaning over the tent. Yes. Uh, it's more common than you think for a tree to fall. And then if a whole tree falls on you while you're sleeping, you will probably not make it. Yeah. They're big and they're heavy. Probably, probably won't. Yes. Uh, flash floods. Flood awareness can be especially critical for campers. A flash flood can happen at any at a moment's notice, any time of the day, any time of year. It is nearly impossible to see the water depths and the force of the current when a flash flood happens. And it doesn't have to be raining by you. No. So that's where if there's storms, you know, uphill somewhere, you want to be Even weary of it. Miles away. Yes. <clears throat> so Yeah, the how that works is the desert ground doesn't absorb water, so it just flows freely. Yeah. Many people enjoy sleeping under the stars in the developed campgrounds and dispersed areas in the national forest. Favorite campsites are often near streams and rivers. People don't expect a sudden rush of water towards their tent or campers. Always be alert. So that's where your streams and rivers will just check the be weather engorged with water. Yes. Before you go hiking. Outside of that, your normal things that can happen in the wilderness, hypothermia, mountain sickness, heat exhaustion. And these all come from the National Forest Service yes. on this location yeah so we didn't just pluck these out of yeah nowhere. this isn't just random yeah uh caves and sinkholes overlooks decaying structures old mines changing roads and trail conditions so those are all the things you want to take into account while you're hiking always remember don't hike alone plan your trip 
carry plenty of food and water, protect yourself from the sun, wear appropriate footwear, clothing, stay on the designated trails. And if you want to hear more on that, listen to our Patreon episode after this. (laughs) And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up and then you'll get it. Watch your footing when you're near cliffs and watch for the slippery areas. That's always the worst. You get a little too close to slip off, done. Uh, Carry small first aid kit, flashlight, compass, matches. Be prepared for and aware of any changing conditions and avoid bare ridge tops, exposed places, lone trees, and cell phone coverage will vary. Now, Mike, let's get into our character profile. So the character profile for this episode is uh, Garrett Alexander Bardsley. Date of birth was 7-24-1992. He went missing August 20th of 2004. He was a male, age 12. He was 5 feet tall, 105 pounds. He had light brown hair, and it was down to his shoulders. He had hazel eyes. He had a also had a gap between his two upper teeth and a birthmark on his right forearm. Clothing he was last seen in, uh, black hooded Quicksilver pullover sweatshirt, uh, size medium, reversible Nike sweatpants, one side red silky fabric with a black and white stripe on the legs, and the other black mesh with a red white stripe on the legs, a white t-shirt possibly with writing on it Nike ankle socks, and white Converse sneakers with a black or navy colored star on the sides, <clears throat> size between six and eight. Uh, obviously, he was a child, so no occupation. We don't know of any medical issues or personality issues. He, we don't know how, you know, he's 12. He, he can't be that experienced in the wilderness, but he did pass the wilderness training course offered by the park council. So he did have some basic understanding on what to do if he would have gotten lost. And since they're kind of from this area, that's I what I was gonna say. Based on like how many national forests are, and he's a scout. Yeah, to me that seems like they probably like you do the scouting stuff that's relative to the area you're scouting. Yeah, they probably did a lot of stuff in the wilderness. Yeah, and they that were, is an opinion, obviously, but they were that's from Elk Ridge, Utah. So I don't know his experience in this exact location, but it's probably safe to say that him and his dad have probably gone out fishing before hiking or whatever, and. The fact that he passed the wilderness training course, it's probably a course for children, but still it's better mm-hmm. than what most kids probably do. Uh, it's better than what a lot of adults get yeah, before they go true. out in the wilderness, honestly. Yeah, so, you know, he had some experience, and like I said, we're not sure if he had experience in this location. Uh, and Joe, if you're watching this on YouTube... Or, I just threw up his image right now. He'll be showing some pictures of the area and everything, so... I'll try and describe them uh, for people who just listen as we hit them. They're not going to be anything pivotal. I know we had a couple people saying that it stinks when you do it, but uh, the images that we show in this podcast are not necessary to follow the story. Yeah. It just adds. Yep. You'll just have to bear with us explaining it for <laughs> yeah. a, a minute or two. Maybe Joe. Not even it. 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll go right into the timeline. So this starts off August 20th of 2004, which is a Friday, 8 a.m., Uh, 12-year-old Garrett Bardsley uh, and his father, Kevin, got up early while on a Boy Scout camping trip. They headed down to a nearby lake called Kuberant One in the Unia... Uh, I need to help you on this one. Yeah. Uh, The T is silent. Una. Yep. Unia. I'm getting it. How do you say it? (laughs) You are... I'm I'm scrolling up to where it is just so I can read it. I put my... Oh. I put my cursor. Una. Una. Una Wasash Cash. We'll cut that out. You in a mountain in in. Utah for some fishing. (laughs) We'll leave it in. Uh, The father and son lived in Elk Ridge and were camping with 18 scouts and six or seven adults 
uh, from Thursday, August 19th, and planned to leave on Saturday. Garrett managed to get his shoes, pants, and socks soaked uh, with water while fi- uh, fishing and told his dad he wanted to walk back and change um, back at camp because he didn't like being wet. So his father, um, he told his father he wouldn't be long and would be soon um, back fishing with him. Um, so the rest of the Boy Scout group were camped just up the hill at current four campsite, which was only about 150 to 250 feet away. So not very far. Jeez. That's um, like, I have a, my, I have a son that's that age and it's just like, yeah, it's making me sick even thinking about it. So, and they had walked this trail several times before. So Kevin let his son head back to camp alone while he continued fishing uh, because he thought it was no big deal. And it really wasn't because it was only, I think their campsite was only about, maybe a uh, hundred feet from the lake. Yeah. Like very seeable in a direct shot. Like it's, yeah. You I kind of hear it. I, Joe's looking at or an hear image. it, see it like you, or well, if that, I meant if there's that many people in the camp yeah. in the woods and it's quiet, you can hear that. Yeah. So the, all the locations we're talking about are not very far away from each other. So it's a very strange for this disappearance to happen. Um, so, like I said, his father didn't think it was a big deal to head back to camp alone, but just in case, uh, Kevin kept his eyes on Garrett as he walked around the lake and even shouted direct directions, reminding Garrett which path would lead him straight back to camp. Uh, after about 20 minutes, though, Kevin wondered what was taking his son so long to get back. He decided to return to the camp to see what happened, and Garrett was nowhere to be seen. None of the other Boy Scouts had seen him at the camp either, so... That that was now he's missing. Ugh, that's um, just I'm like getting chills. Not the good one. Not the good. It just <laughs> not the good chills. Yeah. It's <laughs> well. It's just like like I said. Like it it hits closer to home when it's like a kid that you have a kid that's that same age. Yeah. Because my son, we we go camping. Yeah. And if camp was that close and there was a a path to it. Yeah. I probably would be fine with him walking there by himself. And I'm just like picturing what would be going through my head if I couldn't find him. And the yeah. I'd be losing my mind. I would go insane. Yeah. It's not a good uh, situation. But actually, shockingly, only about 40 minutes after he was last seen, the search began. So this is really unheard of in the cases we've covered. Sometimes it's days to weeks before the search happens. Best case scenario, it's usually like 24 hours before they get people out there. But yeah. so. And the campsite was less than a quarter mile from the lake on a well-established path that connected with the road another quarter mile away. A family friend had said the distance to camp from where they had been fishing was no more than 150 paces. So more than 200 volunteers and search and rescue team members searched into the night on Sunday, August 21st, for Garrett, who, uh, like we said, was wearing a hooded sweatshirt and reversible black and red sweatpants. Additional search and rescue teams from <clears throat> Cache County joined the teams in Utah, Salt Lake, Wasatch, and Dutch, Dutchness counties. Um, he had no supplies with him or backpack. He was carrying a short uh, black and chrome ice fishing pole when he went missing. So search goes on for multiple days. Nothing is found. And then they actually get a break in the search on August 24th of 2004. So searchers scouting, uh, scouring the rugged mountains on Wednesday for uh, Garrett believed they found a sock belonging to him. 
The Nike sock was found in a boulder field about half a mile from the last place the boy was seen. The sock appears that it was taken off a wet foot wadded up, which was very consistent with what we uh, what they knew about Garrett, Summit County Sheriff Dave Edmonds said. Um, he goes on to say, because of where the sock was found, Edmonds said it would be in line with the assumption that he sought shelter from the cold weather, maybe by going into the boulder field uh, for a crevasse or outcropping, something to try to get out of the weather. Edmonds said rescuers would concentrate their efforts in the in and near the boulder field for the boy who now they're presuming is dead. Um, around this time, Utah's bow hunting season actually was kicking off, and the authorities and um, Garrett's father were urging any hunters out in the area to keep a lookout for uh, Garrett. Kevin's Kevin Bardsley, Garrett's father, uh, went on to say, he hopes hunters in the area will keep an eye out for his son or any of his belongings, but he recognizes that searching through 30 inches of new snow would be fruitless. So obviously it snowed a lot. Mm-hmm. The sheriff's office also had tacked up posters of Garrett near trailheads and distributed them to businesses in the area. Moving on to August 28th of 2004, which is now a Saturday, this would be the last full day of searching for Garrett. The Bardsley family had hoped Saturday would be the day they found a clue in Garrett's disappearance. About 500 volunteers more than arrived the previous two days, which attracted 360 and 318, but far less than the 1,500 the family was prepared to accommodate showed up to search. Most teams concentrated on the areas deemed to have a high probability of holding clues or a sector organizers felt hadn't previously been searched thoroughly. Volunteers were aware of Saturday's importance. Unlike Thursday and Friday, many search teams held a group prayer before departing for the rugged terrain in the mountains. Uh, sadly, though, in the end, their prayers were not answered. Many bones presumed to belong to animals and scraps of clothing and garbage were collected over the three days, but Summit County Sheriff Dave Edmonds said none of it was related to Garrett. Uh, he was then quoted saying, it leaves us believing he's still out there and we will make a find one day. It's now August 29th, 2004, which is Sunday. The search was officially discontinued. Uh, they obviously found no sign of Garrett. Officials had said that a three-mile radius in the rugged mountains from where he was last seen was thoroughly searched. So, uh, very strange case. We've got a few more uh, details in the timeline here. So, now it's a timeline range, August 29th of 2004 to October 24th of 2004. After the official search was halted, the family and a good number of dedicated friends and strangers continued search efforts, returning at least two or three times a week. Uh, we know Here's a quote from Kevin. We know that is often discouraging at the end of the day when we haven't found him or any signs of him, but we want you to know that every area that we search gets just gets us that much closer to finding him. Uh, that was written by the father on October 11th which was posted on the findgarrett.org website. His father went on to tell the Desert Morning News uh, that Friday that he is hoping hunters in the area uh, will pay particular attention. So, you know, the hunting season, you do have a lot of guys, especially bow hunters, just out in the wilderness. Um, you know, they're good, good tools to oh yeah look for clues it's a ton of manpower that's just out there they're out there anyways yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so if you see anything out there it's, they can report it's gonna help 
Yeah, so the father went on to say that um, Summit County Search and Rescue team will continue to do some periodic searching and training exercises through the winter. Um, I, the father goes on to write, I was up there yesterday passing out flyers and maps to hunters. We have information posted at the mouth of the canyon, both directions, and in Oakley asking people to look and what they should look for. But right now, unless the weather warms suddenly and melts, everything were, everything, uh, were shut down. So pretty sad end to the, the search for Garrett. Um, we're going to fast forward several years now to August 3rd of 2009. I, I want to throw one thing in there. Yes. That, cause I was looking just for random images. Yeah. Um, another boy, I, I, it's not shown on the screen, but a boy just a few months later went missing right in the same area. Oh yeah. And they, they um, so Kevin Bardsley, uh, Garrett's dad was among the volunteers that searched him. They actually found the remains, the 11, no, the 11 year old alive. Oh, they did. They didn't find <clears throat> Garrett, but like it was a boy, a scout, 11 years old, like almost a very similar story went missing, but they actually found him four days later. Wow. But, uh, Garrett's dad was in the searcher among the searchers. So you can tell he's like, and that is a common uh, thing we've seen in other cases where the parents will join in on searches for other people in the same area. That, well, they know the pain. Yeah. Well, and they know the area because they've they been out the there area. Searching, they know, like, and they, I think they can yeah. relate to the the parents of the other people. So he yeah. was, he helped he helped find that other kid. So that's and if, that's kind of if that's you go nice. to their website, they actually have a list of people that have disappearances in that area that they've been tracking and updating. So they, they're continuing to try and help other people that go missing in this area. So, yeah. um, all right. So we're fast forwarding a couple of years where originally people thought there might've been a break in the case. So like I said, August 3rd of 2009, the summit County Sh- summit County Sheriff's office received a tip from the America's most wanted television program that Bardsley was spotted with two men at a grocery store in Nevada at the end of July. Um, this is a quote from. That's very specific. Yeah, that's like like what do they have? Do you have info on? Well, I'm how they go got the in, tip? Okay, yeah, sorry, getting ahead of me here. I am sorry. <laughs> uh, so, a female in Elko, Nevada, explained that she was twenty percent sure that she saw Garrett Bardsley in a Smiths in Elko. Summit County Sheriff's Office Detective Ron Bridge said in a telephone interview. He goes on to say we. we we receive a lot of tips like this, but this one actually came through America's Most Wanted, so it was a little different for us. The sheriff's office sent an investigator that, uh, to retrieve video footage from security cameras at Smith's Food and Drug Center in Elko. He went on to say, we have seen the Smith's footage from their security camera. It's not 100% clear, but the possibility of it being Garrett Bardsley is very, very slim. So in the end, they ruled it out, but... For a, a moment there, they thought, I mean, how amazing would that be to find out that he was alive? Yeah, that'd be incredible. And what kind of story led yeah. to that? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that it's it would be crazy. It'd be good that he'd be alive, but it'd be clearly like a kidnapping of some sort. Yeah, and like, um, what's the syndrome where you actually start to like empathize with your kidnappers? Nightingale syndrome, or no, not um, that one. No, I look at it's um, it's it's similar. To like, I can't think of the word. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, you keep going. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll look it up. It's going to, as soon as I look it up, I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up the timeline, I found a post on Stockholm syndrome, Stockholm syndrome. You were, yeah. you were kind of close. I was talking about Florence Nightingale. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, Florence Nightingale syndrome is, um, what is that one? That's, um, a caregiver falls in love with a patient. Oh, so gotcha. it's, it's, it's similar. Yeah. It's someone falling in love with someone who they're not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> necessarily. Um, so I found this post from a gentleman named Dave on the website, Backcountry Post. It was from June 17th of 2012. I don't normally include this kind of stuff in here, but he had pictures and he actually did the hike and was pretty much standing in the same area that Garrett and his father would have been fishing. And so these are the direct posts from this gentleman and Joe, I'll be pulling them all up. Joe will be pulling up some pictures that, um, just to show the area. So, uh, this poster goes on to say high elevation hiking in the, uh, Unita. I no, there's no T Una. Una. I'll never get that right. In mid June, not something one can do every year. This quick out and back trip meant to capitalize on that. Nick and a coworker of mine put both put the story of Garrett Bardsley back in my head, independent of one another. I'd covered the story when it originally happened, uh, along with the deaths of Carol Weatherton and Kim Beaverly, which are two great mysteries of the area, which we'll probably have to check out at some point. Yes. Having never been to the Kuberant Basin myself, it seemed good to target for a day hike. I drove out to the North Slope on Friday night after work, arriving late. I set up uh, for a night sky shot, taking advantage of the moonless sky before heading off to bed. Morning came quick. I made it on the trail by about 8 a.m., round about the same time Garrett disappeared. There were only two other vehicles in the Pass Lake Trailhead lot, and I passed no one on my hike into the basin. The trail, which later splits and also serves the Camas Lofty Lake Loop, crosses the edge of a beautiful space called Reed's Meadow. This is the headwaters of the main fork of the Weber River. It provides a commanding view of the 11,708-foot Reed's Peak due south. Uh, so Joe's that, yep, that's Reed's Peak up there. Showing that picture. For those listening, I'm showing a picture of Reed's Peak. Which is a giant <laughs> which, mountain. Which is a mountain. Yes. <laughs> that's your description. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, so beyond the meadow, the trail uh, ambles along to the southern base of the 11,340-foot Mount Marcel. It skirts along the lower slope of Marcel as it climbs and then drops into the Kubrick Basin. As near as I can tell from eight-year-old media reports, Kevin and Garrett Bardsley were fishing on the bank of Kubrick number one when he soaked his shoes and socks. So, oh yeah, this is real small. Yeah. That's why it's not on the, the list. It's almost like a pond. If this was on the list, I'd say, get it off that <laughs> list. <laughs> and then you take a puff of your cigar. I'd be right next to that guy <laughs> yeah. at his desk with his arms crossed. Get it off the list. You take the light and shine it in his eyes. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're going off the deep end here. There we go. Um, he goes on to say the rest of the Boy Scout um, group were camped just up the hill at Kubrick number four. Display image number three. That is the other lake. Um, the trail between the lakes is short, but much more faint than the trail leading to the basin. This shows the rough location of the trail in relation to the lakes. Um, that's, that's the path. So this is an image that's of highlighted. Google Earth with the trail marked in red for those listening. He goes on to say it roughly follows the outlet from Kubrick number four that at times flows down to number one. Kevin Bardsley has said that he saw Garrett miss the trail. The father called out to his son and pointed out the mistake. Garrett then headed up into the trees and was never seen again. He goes on to say the train is wooded and rocky from within the trees. It can be hard to get one's bearings. The slopes of Marcel rise sharply on the east, but the west Southwestern horizon opens into a wide expanse of the middle fork of the Weber. 
He goes on to say, did Garrett get lost and wander aimlessly in that direction? Question mark. He goes on to say, I'm not so sure. Even a 12-year-old could recognize after 30 minutes to an hour of wandering that he is hopelessly lost when they when they walk, uh, when the walk should have taken two or three minutes tops. I'm going to stop right there. I don't think so. Having been lost, a lot, you, your drive is not to sit, think, like a lot of times people will wander for hours. And you got to think in the, your, a 12-year-old's mind. Yeah. Um, this is like the weird thing that comes into play that happens to people when they're in distress. They get embarrassed. Yeah. So that's where I think like an adult might start calling out. If he doesn't want to seem like weak or something like that, he might be like, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. And then continue to go Overly deeper. confident. Yeah. Or, or, or even like still scared, but like, I don't want to call for... I just think of my boys. Like yeah. we don't treat we don't treat them this way, but they're totally trying to suck it up. Yeah, and I I don't know if it's natural for boys or whatever, but I remember when I was twelve, you want to be tough, you want to be seen as like macho, even though you're not because you're twelve. But I could imagine, and this is just my opinion. This is not based on any fact that if he a maybe he didn't think he was lost, or maybe he's like, okay, maybe I'm lost, but I can figure it out. I can figure it out. Well, and at that age. I think this comes with this comes as you get older with wisdom. Uh, I did air quotes. Um, when <laughs> and you looked right into my eyes. <laughs> yeah, when you're uh, when you're young, you don't uh, you don't necessarily think about the like where this could lead, like what terrible outcomes could happen from becoming totally lost. You're soaked. It's cold out. Like you're probably you know you're not thinking. those kind of thoughts as an an adult who's done, you know, a decade of hiking, the second I'm lost, I'll be thinking about that. Yeah. And I think too, um, it's almost like movies make it worse because you think bad things happen and there's like a crescendo that like denotes a bad thing. Yeah. And in real life, when there's a death or an accident, it just, it just happens. Yeah. And then it's like, you have to process what's happening. Like you just, a lot of the times, especially when you're lost, yeah, you're already in it. And I think people expect to like slowly become more lost and more lost, but like they don't realize like, no, you're, you're, you are already lost. Yeah. And once you get, once you realize you're lost, you may start to panic and panic will lead to making more bad decisions. And that is in a case of an adult yes. who, you know, children, children's brains aren't fully developed yet. And I don't think it's reasonable to expect some adult frames aren't <laughs> yeah. adult brains aren't fully developed. I don't think it's it's reasonable, you know, to I don't think it's um you should expect that a child would necessarily make the right decision yeah. in this kind of situation. I agree. Yeah, cuz they just, they don't have the experience of it. They don't, you know, they're not fully developed yet. So I could totally see him wandering around a while and then panicking and wandering even more. Mm-hmm. Um so, I got to find where I was. Um, so, yeah, I stopped. Right here. I, I, you can click on Oh, it one. says, oh, because the base is an amphitheater, sound carries very well. Calling out from within a quarter to a half mile of camp could have roused the troops. That's a good point. No one, there were no reports of him yelling, like, if you were lost. Like That's kind of where I was thinking, you hear like, the echo maybe. like, hey, hey, hey. Like, yeah, that's where <laughs> I'd think, like, a 12-year-old boy among peers, yeah. that many. You don't want to go back to camp and be the guy that got lost and you're going to get razzed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, 
and, and that's a real thing that can happen. Not even that they'd be bullying him, but more like buddy, buddy, like, oh, you got lost. Oh, yeah. you got lost. And you're like, I don't want to deal with I that. I mean, probably bullying. Everyone's been a kid. Yeah. Like, especially. Yeah, technically that's bullying. These are but. scouts that live in the mountains. Like, yep. if one of them, like, got lost. Yeah, hey, remember when you got yeah. lost? Oh, way to go. Like, it would be stuff like that. And that as you'd an adult, expect. you just shake it off like, oh, whatever. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I did. If it was your buddies <laughs> yeah. ribbing you for it, you'd be like, whatever. But as a kid, yeah. that's a big deal. Yep. Um, so, oh, 100%. Yeah. So um, the, the poster goes on to say, Garrett's story bothers me even more now that I've scoped out the terrain. There are plenty of possible scenarios from loss of injury to abduction to animal attack, but none really seem to jibe uh, for me. In any case, I headed up to Kubert number four, circled around to its eastern edge, then started up the boulder field. I didn't include the rest of his posts because it wasn't really... yeah. Um, just an image of the boulder field. Yeah, just it's pretty wide open, which sound would carry there. Yeah, there's no trees blocking it. It's pretty sparse. Like you could hear someone from pretty far away. Yeah, and uh, at the time of his disappearance, it was cold, and I think it it, it rained and hailed. Oh, um, so okay, he's wet. It's he's cold. Wet, no gear. Oh, okay. So that's not that's dire. Yeah. Um. All right. What do the authorities think? So theories. I have a couple theories. I'm gonna hold on to them. Uh, authorities believe the boy may have become dis. Do <laughs> you want to say it? Nope. Say it. Disorientated. Nope. Disoriented. It's you agitated. So both ways of saying it have, are correct. Did you look this up? Someone is it like? Is it nuclear and nuclear? Someone sent you, an email and. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's someone like you who says it disorientated. They're sick yeah. of people telling him it's wrong. Um, so he got confused on his way back to camp. <laughs> there you go. And might have sought sh- sought shelter uh, as temperatures plummeted to near 18 degrees that night. That's freezing. Uh, the mountainous terrain, about 50 miles east of Salt Lake City, has altitudes between nine and 10,000 feet. The local police also ruled out um, kidnapping or abduction based on the evidence. So. I think pretty solid theory is in line with what authorities said is exposure. I think if if he got lost and he's wet, there's absolutely no way he's surviving that night. Yeah. In Eighteen degree weather. Um he probably I mean that makes sense, like if they found a sock, he probably went in the hypothermia and was starting to, you know Yeah, paradoxical undressing. Taking yeah, taking socks off and um I think another possible theory we've talked about, they're very rare, but cougar mountain lion attacks on children. Yeah. Um, I saw a video. A 12-year-old's getting a large enough where it'd be 105 iffy. pounds. I saw a video. Yeah. Someone posted, I was looking on YouTube, and I saw a video someone posted of a mountain lion dragging a full adult deer. Like up a tree? Just, or just down a path? Just cross, like he had a trail camera out. Yeah. And the mountain lion just walked by dragging a full buck. Like, yeah. I, so this will be sound a little morbid, but I feel like you'd hear that. Yeah. Because I would, if I was attacked, I'd be screaming. Yeah. Like probably a, a volume that I would not normally be able to achieve because of adrenaline. Like, unless he was wandering and wandered away from the group and then was attacked. But even then, mountain lion cougar attacks are incredibly rare. Yeah. Spe- and especially in daylight. Mm-hmm. They're nocturnal, I believe. Yes. Um, at least that's when I've seen them there. Whenever I've seen the prints, they've always turned up after night. I've, I went deer hunting as a kid. I know how heavy bucks are. And when I saw that video of a mountain lion dragging a buck, yeah, like and it's not, size, it's not field dressed yet. No, so it's full it's a weight, full size deer and it was dragging it. So, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but like we said, very unlikely. 
Um, there are, you know, bears, black bears in this area, but again, they're very afraid of people. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to attack someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I well, think my first, f- first I'm going to start with um, your pronunciation of disoriented. <laughs> um, you're right and wrong. Ooh. The word you're saying is uh, an entirely different word with the same meaning. Oh. There's disoriented and disorientated. They generally have the same meaning, but it's two separate words. Okay. So you're still reading the word wrong, <laughs> but you're replacing it with the correct word for the meaning. Gotcha. So technically, I'm wrong for yelling at you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll admit it. Even though you read it wrong, it still has the same meaning and it does exist. I'm never going to get that word right. It's so stupid. Uh, like our last episode, yeah. our thousandth episode, right before we retire. Yeah. You'll say it correctly. I'll be like, ha, I all knew right. it all along. All right. So my not off the deep end theory, I really think in this case, based on the images I saw, obviously I've never been there. So there could be things I don't know. Yeah. I am starting to lean more and more towards some sort of crevasse or fall. Okay. Where he's a, if he went off path, yeah. So he's off path. If he went into that boulder field and dropped down like a twenty foot drop, yeah. that's real small. Maybe get knocked out or injured enough where he can't call out and then yeah. unfortunately perish there. To me, that's like the most reasonable based on the images I've been looking at because it's so sparse. And I've been into areas uh, when I went towards when I was trying to do knife's edge. We are up in a outcropping that was very similar to this terrain yeah with more trees than this yeah and we didn't get separated but our group split up and we were taking two different paths and we could communicate to each other by yelling the entire time and there was a significant dis- distance between us yeah much more than any of the stuff i was seeing here on the map yeah so that tells me okay if he's lost and they're calling for him and marching around a he would have been able to hear it and if he wasn't injured, he probably wouldn't have been able to call back. So my gut's telling me it's some sort of accident or injury that left him unconscious. Yeah. Uh, long enough to maybe when he comes to, if he even does, he's hypothermic now and can't do much. Yeah. Or unfortunately, he got knocked out and just perished wherever that accident occurred. That's to me like... I think that's pretty in line with the authorities think. Okay. I mean, they think he he got confused and wandered. I mean, I think I'm in kind of the same train as you. I think he got, he got turned around. He's wet with no gear. Yeah. I mean, no gear in that cold. Okay. Odds are still really low, but possible. We've seen it in this show mm-hmm. where people have survived for multiple nights with no gear and cold. Yeah, that guy in Mount but, Rainier. Exactly. But they're yeah. dry. Wet is and he an had ent- gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wet is an entirely different yeah. story because the, the clothes aren't going to dry out. I believe the weather was already like cold that day. So yeah, that's what you said before. So if it was already cold towards the end of the day, he gets wet and gets lost. Yeah. I, that's, that's the biggest recipe for disaster ever. And you know, the authorities think, I mean, you could see for a small child, there might be lots of little things you could climb into. Like, and you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to hold out for the night in this like like yeah, but, and even then sitting on those rocks yeah. will absorb all your body heat. Like you don't want to lean up against those rocks. You don't yeah. want to even touch those rocks because you want to go to like moss or like grass, something that's insulated. If he like got into an area like that, he'll just get hypothermic faster. And I don't know if you can go like find this lake on Google Earth. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll pull it up while I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not showing the screen right now. So I'll pull okay. it up when I have it. I'm going. just thinking personally, if I got lost in this area and I don't, 
I looked at the map. I can't remember how many lakes there were, but my first inclination would be to find a lake and like yeah, hang it's a out big on opening. its shore. Yes, and maybe try to get a fire going or you know some kind of signal, um, because you know depending on the terrain and how thick a vegetation is, they're not going to find you uh, from you know air searches. But if you're hanging out on a, a shore of a lake. Yeah, um, you could do something. Yeah, it's put make you know put rocks in SOS or something like that. Like make some sort of sign, bring some logs around. Yeah, like show that it's not natural. Something going on there. Yeah. So what's the lake? Coobrant. Coobrant Basin. U R E N T. All right. I'll share while I'm searching. So. Oh, it's C U B E R A N T. I got it. Right. I copied okay. it from the. I copied it from the thing. All right. Let's see what it looks like. All right. Yep. Lake United Mountains, Summit County. This is the one. So that's that's the lake he was fishing that's, on. Yeah, so he was on this area here. Yep. So there's another lake. So oh. he would have been going south. Okay. So he would have ended up... Th- this looks like it's uphill. Yeah. You're not going to be going uphill. And let's see where they... they yeah, this is, this is not very wooded. Yeah. Well, I'm, where'd they find his sock? That was, um, and were they positive it was his? I mean, they were not positive. It was matching the description of the sock socks he was wearing, and what are the odds of a child's Nike sock being found? Okay, out here, it it wasn't just a plain white. No, it was a white Nike sock, like it matching exactly okay. what he was wearing. Um, oh yeah, here it is. They uh, let's see. They found, uh, trying to figure well, out. Well, Mike's searching. We'll have a word from our sponsors. Pringles. <laughs> I've been enjoying Pringles throughout the show while Mike's been talking. Sour cream and onion is the one I've been eating. Back uh, to you, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thank you to Pringles. Pringles is not sponsoring our no. show. Um, it was found half a mile from the last place he was seen. Which was like a pretty boulder, much. In a boulder field. Okay. Let's so, see how far this boulder field is from this area. Not a half mile. That's a quarter mile. Not even a quarter mile. All right, here's another boulder field. That's almost a half mile away. So assuming he didn't get that far, I, mean, I don't know. I'm doing a radius here. This It's got to be like this yeah. big open area right here. I don't know. It it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Other than the fact that if he was already hypothermic. His, his dad saw him going that way. Yeah, We know that. This is the only area that's a half a mile away. Everything else is either closer or really far off, so it's got to be, like, right in here. And yeah. their camp was, like, right here. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is he was already hypothermic. Yeah. Heading back to his camp to change, <laughs> and he just started making, you know, compromised decisions based yeah, on if, that. if you get cold quick, yeah, you won't be able to really talk. Yeah. You won't be able to really move. Yeah, but that's also where I feel like this is why I feel like he fell down something. Yeah, I'm injured. They would have. They would have yeah. found. I feel like there's a high likelihood they would have found his body. Yeah, I I think because I'm, it's so it's not densely populated in this area with trees. Like it's not, and the areas that are the most densely populated are near where his camp was. Yeah, so if he's out in a boulder field where they found the sock, the fact that he lost his sock. 
in a boulder field means that either he's making bad decisions because of the hypothermia, the paradoxical undressing, the crazy, but then there would be more clothing. The crazy thing is the search started only 40 minutes later. That's where, yeah. How far could he have gotten in this train in 40 minutes? If I mean, if he's moving kind of far. Yeah. You can walk. Now, this is mountains, so it's slower than just like flat ground, but you can walk, what, a mile and in maybe, 20 minutes? Maybe he went up into the boulder field, and we don't know if that's boulder field or not, but maybe he yeah. went into one of those to try to get a better view and then for some reason took a sock off and kept moving. Well, we can do the worst-case scenario. Uh, if you can walk a mile in 20 minutes, so... Yeah, two miles, there's a lot going on within two miles, Yeah, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of... They only searched a three-mile radius. So, okay. Um, I think that's fair because it starts getting very rugged at the two-mile. If I'm doing... I'm just... For those listening, I got the map open, and I got this ruler out that just shows distance, and I'm kind of yeah. just doing a circle two miles out from the point of the lake where they were fishing. And there's some really nasty terrain that I, d- he, I doubt someone, a child with he, no gear would yeah, be he traverse. Yeah, he Man, 12-year-olds. I'm just thinking of mine. Like, yeah, how far can you could But walk? Well, here's the deal, too. He might be like, I'm going to go up a mountain to go see better. Yeah. Like, there's not the... I got to stop thinking like an adult. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, even as an adult, sometimes you look at a hill and you're like, oh, it's not too bad. And mm-hmm. then you get halfway up. You're like, holy cow, it's mountains, though. This is tough. This is yeah. hard. But there's some gnarly terrain when you start getting out to a mile and a half away. Yeah. So... And they pretty much searched a three-mile radius of yeah. this area. But okay. you can see three-mile radius is a lot of unforgiving terrain. Yeah, and I would hope that, I mean, when you get to, like, a mile away, you realize you're nowhere near where you're supposed to be. And what is that? Is that a road that's named? That's, that's a, a river. River. Weber River. That's just south. So, yeah, there's no real roads. The roads are to the north. Or east. and But really far east. Yeah. You'd have to cross the river or go over that mountain. Mount Marcel. So, chances are... I think he fell down something. Yeah, and he, he fell into an area that they weren't easily able to find him. Yeah. Unless you're, like, right on top of it. I and it's know. been... That's, that's kind of what I... Yeah. 04, it's been, what, uh, 19, 19 years now? No. They haven't found anything no else. No remains or anything. They haven't, they haven't yeah, even the, found the fishing pole. So... Yeah. Which doesn't mean anything, but... Um, it's something that would survive the elements longer. It's like a very, clothing. it's a remote area. It's not like yeah. he's in Yellowstone or Yosemite, but, um, yeah, but you got to think people are camping up here. Yeah. The puzzling thing is just how quickly the search started and they still couldn't find him. That's and so sad. That lead actually, I'm, I'm more on your train now. That leads me to think that he suffered some kind of accident or fall. Something pretty quickly from when he went missing. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, the only reason I keep saying like a hole is I think something definitely debilitated him to the point where he couldn't speak or yell or move. Yeah. But then they couldn't find him. And that's where I'm like, he's got to be under a thing. Now they did say what, there was a bunch of snow that Uh, came within the couple days. So maybe it's not down a hole, but it could be like in like a depression. Well, even the forest service in their, their uh, documents about safety, in the forest, talk about old mine shafts and things. Yeah, that's, he could have stumbled across an old mine shaft that was covered with some, you know, lightly covered with some debris. Maybe and like fell went to in. check it out, even or didn't even know it, like stepped on it. Yeah, you know, <sighs> I don't know. That's my that I'm on. I'm with you on that one. I think the authorities are, you know, you know, one of those like it's like a perfect storm tragedy. Yeah, like 
And the search happens. So that's what I can't wrap the search my head on. The search quick, happened quick. Based on the terrain within a two mile radius, yeah, he's not moving very far. No, he's not covering ground. Not if he's wet. I was cold. being. I as I was say, I I was being generous by giving him the two miles, saying, yeah, okay, you can do a mile every twenty minutes. The search started at forty. They're that's calling on, like, for him. Flat terrain. Yeah, that's that's if you're walking around the block. Yeah, not so, panicked. Yeah, not <laughs> panicked. Not you know semi hypothermic, wet, cold, hungry, confused, scared. Yeah. All of those things. So, oh, that poor kid and the yeah. dad, and the family. Well, I, I, I don't know. Do you have a, you, do, you don't have an off the deep end, do you? I don't no. even, ha- I don't even have an, like, there isn't even anything I could come up with that would be no, off the deep I, end. I don't, I don't think it was animal attack. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's kidnapping. Yep. Um, yeah, I think tragic accident. Yeah. And they just have not recovered the remains yet. So, yep. Well, thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate you all for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where you can find the videos of each episode. Also, if you'd like to support the show monetarily, please visit our website or Facebook store to buy some cool swag. Additionally, you can subscribe to our Patreon account on YouTube subscriptions and the Apple subscriptions where you'll have access to special events, additional shows, and paid customers will also get some cool swag just by being a paid customer. Lastly, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.